It's your boy, Fat Samurai Guy, back again, sitting in the movie Dojo, son, for another episode of Action Film Autopsy, hanging out with Kung Fu Santa himself, Sifu Santa, Rick Myers. Rick, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, I, I mean, know how you are. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, too. Uh, uh, for those of you that are, were curious why there were no uploads or streams on Friday, well, because Samurai Guy had jury duty. Yes, yes. But I got... I got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I got lucky. I got out of it. I got out of it. So uh, I just walked up to I just walked to the front desk, Rick, and I said, the movie dojo army is not having it. You're taking me away from the, the, the legends. I got I got stuff to do. They were like, OK, we'll just we'll just let you go. They were really nice about it, too. Well, I'm happy because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to doing this on the last uh, day of the month. Yes, yes. And that way we can start and we'll, and we'll do it at the end of May as well. And all yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, and also ask me again how I am. I remember the answer to that. Rick, how are you? I'm really good because I've seen a lot of really good and interesting movies this month. All right. Yes, if you see Rick smiling, that means it's he, there's some good stuff to talk about. <laughs> but uh before we get started, we got the roll call up in here. We have JS Brown, what's going on? Then greetings, everyone. We have Lady Danish. There you go. Show the fucking blood, Rick Myers. I love it. I love it. Mitchell, Mitchell in the house. What's going on? The sexy sumo. The kings are in. Let the fun yeah. begin. Oh, yeah. Brian Sanchez saying hello to Rick and everyone. Oh, yeah. And we have Kevin. That's right. Certified Badass Channel member. Oh, yeah. We're starting the ruckus. We're starting the ruckus. We got the Batman here and some more other legends. Yes, but we have a lot to talk about. And remember, uh, Fu, hold on, you said Kung ahead. Fu Genius, Rick Myers. No, that's Alex Richter is the Kung Fu Genius. Yes, I'm yes. The Santa. There so, you go. <laughs> Shout out to the Kung Fu Genius, Alex Richter. All right, but yeah, we have a plethora, a plethora to discuss and talk about here. Let's go ahead and have some fun, jump right into it here. Up foist, up foist, Rick, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, I, I believe at this point, Rick, help me out and correct me. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, this is the the most highly successful. It, it grossed the most money for a video game film. Is that correct? I don't know if that's correct. I'm not going to put myself out there. I think so. I think yeah. it's correct. That's it's what I'm hearing. Gross, it's certainly one of the highest grossing animated movies of the year. The reason I'm wearing my Kung Fu Minions shirt is that this is, oh, yes, there we go. There you go. Yeah. Those are my students. Those are my uh, minion students who I taught for the last movie, which was also produced by Illumination, as was Super Mario Brothers. And in fact, the person who got me involved in the Minions Rise of Group, producer Kelly Lake, was a producer on the Super Mario Brothers. All right. And it brings up a very important point, which is over the years, you know, you made a you made a comment that is is this the most successful video game movie? I'm almost certain that it is. And right. now you may ask yourself, why is that? Why is it that Super Mario Brothers is yeah. the most successful one? Have you ever asked us for years when we would go see Street Fighter, yeah, all the rest of them, and we'd see this 
Double Dragon, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, it was it was terrible crap. Yep. And they would never do well. And people would cry out. I would be around people. Who, I wouldn't cry out, but yep. other people would cry out. Why is it doing it so badly? Why can't they make a good video game movie? Yeah. Well, we happen to be living in wonderful times because of all the streaming services struggling for survival. There's yes. an enormous amount of production being made. I think I I didn't I should have checked this today, but I didn't. I wanted to know whether we are making more movies and television shows today than we have in the history of television and movies. I wouldn't I be surprised, it, but I, I but also yeah. I doubt it. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we were. But the point there is that again, having worked out in Hollywood and all the rest of it. I know that basically it always breaks down to 60-40. 60% venal backstabbers, 40% geniuses. Right. <laughs> and that is, and so the, the venal backstabbers will be make crap because they're venal backstabbers. But yeah. the geniuses make great movies because they're geniuses. And it's a 60-40 situation. I think that's even going to happen on this, on this episode. You'll see that we'll be able to say, you know, Beetle Backstabber or <laughs> a genius maker. <laughs> yeah. Superman, the reason why, I, I was actually, when I was working on Hollywood and we had this discussion, somebody said, well, I said, why did you make this terrible movie that's going to upset everyone who loves the product? In other words, let's say it's Mortal Kombat. Let's just say it's Mortal Kombat. Okay. For why example. did you make this terrible Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter movie? When all the people who love Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter are going to hate this. Well, you know, we want to make a movie that goes beyond the core audience. We want other people to be able to enjoy it. So we felt the need to make changes. And my reply, and I, I know I replied this at least twice before they stopped talking to me, which was, who do you think is going to show up opening weekend? Exactly. You all those people you're trying to reach outside of the core audience is going to show up? No. Mm -hmm. The core audience, the fans of Mortal Kombat, the fans of Street Fighter, they're going to show up. They're going to see this piece of crap, and they're mm -hmm. going to go home and tell all their friends, do not on any in, under, under in any circumstances go see this piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And also, I uh, realized again that, you know, Hollywood is about ego. It's not about money. So these producers are just wanted to have power and crush people's dreams. But at the same time, they hated their audience because they hate themselves. These are self-loathing producers. They hate themselves. And they pass that on to the audience. That's another thing we had these discussions about. Mm -hmm. I was saying, who are you making this for? Well, we're making it for the audience. My reply was always, name three. Name three people in your audience. Do you know anybody in your audience? Oh, no, but this is what the audience wants. And I'm going, no, this is what you want. And you mm -hmm. project it onto an audience you don't even know. So now suddenly we have a bunch of people who, who knew this all along, and, but they're in a position of power now. They've come up through the industry. Kelly mm -hmm. is one of them the producer of this, and they said, all right, it's interesting when you look at another thing that you see, you can read a lot of reviews on the internet about yeah. these movies, and there are haters and there are lovers. 
but that's the way it works in the uh, internet now. That's the way social media works. I don't care about haters or lovers. If somebody says, oh, we'll get to the new Mandalorian. The new Mandalorian sucks. This is the worst season ever. I don't even listen to them anymore because they're haters. And one thing, there's only one thing haters love. There's only one thing haters love, and that's hating. They mm -hmm. love to hate. So no matter what it's, whether, whether it's good or bad, they're going to hate it, and they'll find a way to hate it. The critics did that too. Mm. When critics uh, who work for magazines and newspapers, and when magazines and newspapers started getting bought out by bigger corporations, the heads of these corporations had an ax to grind. So sometimes they instructed their critics, find a way to kill this movie, find a way to kill this television show. I don't like the guy who makes it. And so, yeah. so now we've got everybody has a voice and they're all doing it. So I don't even listen to them. However, on the Internet, people have said, if you love Super Mario and you have played it a lot, you'll love the movie. You'll recognize everything. You won't be able to count the number of Easter eggs. Okay. And other people put it down saying, saying, oh, it's too much. It's too much fan service. It's too much fan service. And it's kind of like my attitude about fan service is, is my attitude about woke, being woke, that people who use being woke as an insult. Being woke is, as far as I'm concerned, not an insult. My attitude is, thank you. Yeah, I like I try to be nice to everybody. I'm Kung Fu Santa. And it's the same thing with, you know, fan service. Again, who do you think is coming to these films? Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. The question is not is whether fan service itself good or bad, but how good or bad is your fan service? Mm. Case of Super Mario Brothers, oh my god. Let me tell you something. A lot I've heard complaints from people who don't play the game who said they couldn't follow the movie. I don't play the game. Right. I can follow the movie. But more importantly, Mm -hmm. I felt love and respect in every frame, in every single shot of that movie. When that movie opened and they explained the accents by showing the commercial. Yeah. And it was like, going, these guys are smart. <laughs> I, I expected it having worked with them. I knew these guys were smart. Yeah. No, I just, I mean, was it perfect for me? No, it wasn't perfect. The thing that I, I wish they had done, and I understand why they didn't do it, because, again, they're looking at the media, and also they're working with Nintendo. Nintendo had a lot of power on this movie. So what Nintendo said went, and the attitude seemed to be that this was for a younger audience. Right. Predominantly. Mm -hmm. so of course, they're going to do the old cliche that Mario himself is not he has to get stronger and stronger as the movie goes on. He doesn't start strong. However, they have that wonderful sequence at the beginning of the movie, still one of my favorites, where he has to run. They're going to their first major uh, plumbing job. Okay. Try to make Because I thought they would start with them being successful plumbers, but no, they start with them being hapless plumbers. That's the other thing I was wildly happy about, but I understood why they did that. But in order to get to their first job and their truck breaks down, Mario has to run across Brooklyn with Luigi coming behind him. And the way he goes through the actual, you know, recognizable landscape of Brooklyn was delightful. It was so reminiscent of what he does in the video game. Okay. Very, very, very clever. And also he keeps... And, 
and just little things like he'll open up certain uh, doors for Luigi because Luigi's having a hard time keeping up, but yeah. Mario sets himself up beautifully. Then he has to struggle and struggle and struggle and get better and better. So as I'm watching, and again, it's not a long movie. So it's not like one of these Netflix movies that goes on for two hours and I get, I yeah. get really tired. I'm going, come on, become Mario already. Would you become Mario finally? Right. Right. Also, the way they kept touching on all the different aspects of all the different Mario games and all the musical cues and all the characters. And I mean, there are some sequences I defy anybody to count the number of Easter eggs. They're so <laughs> but I can tell you how I felt. OK. And, and a matter of fact, now just thinking back to how I felt when Mario becomes Mario. Right. In the second half of the movie. OK. Chills. All right. Smile on my face. Bigs. I'm just, I'm going, I am loving this. <laughs> loving this. I'll even allow the fact that Jack Black, who's Kung Fu Panda, by the way, yeah. is playing the, the big ball. Yeah. yeah. And he, he gets to do two songs. <laughs> I'm going, all right, you've got Jack Black. And if Jack Black <laughs> wants to do it, let Jack Black do it. And they yeah. weren't songs. Yeah. They were pop songs because they weren't Nintendo. Right. Yeah, we loved it. The Easter eggs. I, oh, you had a few issues too, Gail, but that's understandable. Yeah. But even so, even with my issues, I was I I felt something. I nice. I don't see any television shows or movies. I wanted to feel. I want to go like yeah. And at the end of this movie, I'm going. All right. So yeah, it was a it was a good movie because they they had the love the um. You know, basically, the everybody who made this did Minions, they did Teen Titans, so they had a sensibility. But you could clearly know, see that they loved Mario, and Nintendo put everything in. And again, this is what happens when you do it right. There you go. All right. Nice. Really quick, Rick, before we go on to the next one, I remember a while back, I think you said you, you enjoyed Sonic. Yes. But I don't remember... If you liked the second one, I don't remember because it's been a while. Also, it was the first one, but it wasn't terrible. It was okay. Still watchable, but okay, it was, okay. But it's no Mario Brothers. Copy that. Copy that. All right. This next piece, uh, Samurai Guy is going to be reviewing this Wednesday, but I haven't seen it yet. But we can uh, hear what Rick thought about it. Power Rangers reuniting once and always, I believe. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> But I'll get around to watching it at some point, so we can talk about it Wednesday. Well, here we go. go. All right, here we go. Super Mario Brothers is not alone. I think the four, four things we're reviewing all have that magic rule. Okay. It's all loving fan service. And as such, they are successful. The Power Rangers had an interesting situation. Everybody who works on Power Rangers... Uh, was involved with this. I mean, this is this is. Um, let's see. Yeah, the guy who um, the guy who directed it is a New Zealand director, and the Power Rangers moved over to New Zealand. Pretty much 100% of the production of of all the Power Rangers shows now is, okay. is done in New Zealand, which is awesome, and they have a great sensibility there. So this is an homage to the OGs. And they wanted to have all the OGs in the movie, but unfortunately, several passed away. So this movie became a tribute to them. 
it's it's dedicated to them at the end of the film. And nice. they have this little background. And what you see there is terrific. You see them aging. You can see them gaining weight. <laughs> yeah. But still, a lot of love. And also, the gentleman in the blue, he, I mean, I, I really don't, he really looks like he has Bell's palsy. He's, mm. His face is, doesn't move. And right, right. that's, but whatever. They don't explain it. Okay. They, they all do a fine job and they all do the best they can. Of course, the fighting. They also do something very clever with them in that at one point in the, mo in the movie, the, uh, the leading characters can't be Power Rangers because that would alert their presence to the main villain who's already shown himself to be very, very powerful and can destroy them. So they have to fight as themselves. Okay. And that was fun to see. Interesting. All right. Especially the the Black Ranger there. He just he does he has a wonderful dance fighting sequence oh. that I've been waiting for for a long time. Oh, all right, all right. They brought yeah. that back. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, break I, dance I, fighting. All right. Yeah, I always wanted to have Last Dragon uh, to to be a musical and to have Tymac and everybody else at, at several points in the movie to fight to the music. I, want <laughs> I can him see to that. Have a great fight. Yeah. Uh, this is that sequence where he comes out of the limo and the uh, the music of the night starts playing, the rhythm yeah. of it. And I want yeah. them to fight to that, and they don't do it in the movie. Or you and got the glow, you know. It. And it's an enjoy, it's not, it's not great, it's not it's interesting. Just like the previous Power Rangers movie, where yeah. uh, what's her name tried to the one who directed Cocaine Bear. I'm yeah. blocking on her name. Um, she directed it, she stars as the villain. They tried to improve it and failed miserably. Yeah. Here, it's just like all the shows. It's an homage to the shows. So it's very nice. It's very loving. A lot of winking, a lot of Easter eggs. Not as good as Super Mario Brothers, but still an enjoyable 90 minutes. Nice. All yeah. right. All right. Well, I'm, I am looking forward to watching it and reviewing it. So join us Wednesday, guys. Uh, Samurai Guy will be Speaking checking of it out. fan service. All right. All right. Nice. Nice. Next up. Picard, yes. Speaking you know, fan service. Yes, yes. I had the honor of being on Chris Mancini's podcast recently, guys. So check that out. I believe I put it a link to the description box below, and we had fun. Uh, I still, I, I have seen parts of Picard, the season three. I've only seen the first season. I hated it, so I didn't go to the second season, which I hear I'm not missing anything. Uh, but Chris mentioned that he loves season three. He loves it a lot. Uh, he's well, a fan of it. Three is the is is the cure for season one and two. Nice. Paramount okay. realized, uh, and everybody involved in Picard realized that season one and two was not working. It was time to do the ultimate fan service. It was time to bring the band back together again. Nice. So season three is a masterpiece compared to one and two, and as a I didn't discover Star Trek Next Generation until the third season when all my friends said, yeah, they finally got the rhythm. That's often what happens with the Star Trek shows. They get the yeah. rhythm in all, every single uh, show is seven seasons and they get the rhythm in the third season. And so the third, here we go. The all right. third season of Picard is just like, I mean, just being doused with, star, with Trekkie love, just stunningly... And they do it extremely well. What's the gentleman? The uh, uh, Matt Mullins did the um, 
Matt Mullins did the action choreography, the fight coordination. And ironically, he also did it for the Orville. And the Orville is Seth MacFarlane. Oh, wow. That he, he created because the Star Trek shows weren't pleasing him any longer. Right. I'm pretty sure the third season of Picard is pleasing him. Right. Everybody gets a moment. They all come together at the end. It's just, it's just extremely well done by Trek lovers, not people who are trying to be better than Star Trek. Because Star Trek at its best is absolutely awesome. Yes. So, their ratios of success versus failures is far better, not far better, but at least better than Star Wars. Star Wars, right. you know, has a minimum of really tremendous, exceptional movies. Right. While Star Trek has a couple more really mm -hmm. exceptional. And this whole third season of Picard should be put out as a movie. Yeah, that's what they were saying, yeah. Nice, nice. And I heard uh, another thing Chris mentioned was, and I'm, you know, you've seen it too. You, you can let yeah. me know what you think. Yeah. Was that the fan service? It felt earned. It didn't feel like desperation fan service. Like member berries, member berries, member berries. Like and it was like, oh wow, that's actually really good character development. Yeah, I wouldn't you use know? the word earned. I would use the okay. word deserved. It's okay, deserved. deserved. All right, it's deserved. And it comes up. And and by the way, it also has. I love the action in it. Why did I love the action in it? Because every single character who we have come to know over these many, many years fight in character. There nice. is absolutely no mistaking of number one's fighting ability versus the Worf, Worf's yeah. ability versus everybody else. Everybody fights in character. Nice. That's what everybody should always do all the time. All right. Copy that. Well, we're going to keep it sci-fi here. All right. Mandalorian season three. Now that it's over, Rick, thoughts on the Mandalorian? Well, I love the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, as I think we've said on a previous episode, is baby cart plus man with no name. Right. A, a spaghetti Western. And mm -hmm. as such, and of course, this, this, seg this season, third season again, uh, is completely written by John Favreau. And in Favreau and Filoni, I trust. And, and unlike the haters who are saying, I don't get it, was this the worst one ever? I'm going, yeah, you guys get disappointed, that's fine. It was entertaining for me throughout. And my favorite thing in these last few episodes is they kept going back to faulted. This is what Filoni does. He goes back to faulty things in the previous Star Wars iterations and corrects them, makes hmm. them better. Okay. So they took one of my least favorite fight scenes from one of the one of the pre. What's the fight scene with? What's the uh, prequel that had Liam Neeson in it as uh, Episode One? Yeah, that, that was, was one day. Yeah, is that the one he also gets killed in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Episode One. He has that fight with all those. Uh, uh, I'm an old man with a long beard. The droids? Uh, no, not the droids. The, the walls that come down, the force fields, the force shields. Okay. Fight with the force shields. And in and in the uh, and in the Phantom uh, Menace, right. the force fields didn't make any sense. They were just there as a gimmick. Right. Okay. So there's this wonderful sequence in The Mandalorian where 
the four shields are back, but here they make sense. They are used to build the excitement and to build the uh, the adventure and the action. Okay. And I love that. And of course, I loved um, <laughs> I loved the progress of Grogu as a as a fighter. You know, he's in the robot, and uh, he uses that until he can't use that anymore, and then he starts using. And also, I love the fact that that um, the Mandalorian is martial arts. Grogu is kung fu. You'll notice in the final fight when Grogu gets involved, he doesn't. He isn't offensive. He takes things away. He doesn't. He doesn't attack. He avoids. Okay. And as such, so I'm like going, yee. And the ending is really <laughs> cool and very, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed. And this, and I like the. And again, they explain they explain all the stuff that didn't work in the prequels and in the in the latest sequel. I mean, I I like I like the Last Jedi. Uh, the, well, actually, the last movie of the of the last sequel, which was just the Rise of Skywalker, was just crap. But here <laughs> they explain they explain more things that sucked in that. Okay. And so interesting. Very enjoyable. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's as long as it's enjoyable. That's all. Good action, and also Ryan Watson and Sam Loke did the action. And thank you guys for that wonderful update and the kung fu versus martial arts stuff. Nice. Nice. All right. Now let's go. We're going to the fantasy land. We're going back to Never Never Land. Thoughts on the brand new Peter Pan and Wendy, Rick? It's an interesting situation in that I have to say I admire its ambition. Okay. I was disappointed in its execution. execution. Beautifully filmed. Pretty well cast, except for now look again. With Disney, it's really there's somebody in the marketing department of Disney who wants to let us know what we're we're about to deal with. Again, if you look at the poster for the live action Mulan, you could see the leading actress was DOA, that she was just she had no emotion. She checked out, yeah. Even <laughs> yeah, and even in posters, a good a good actor can communicate emotion to. Yeah. Now, look at this poster. Tell me who the weak link is. Pan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't he's a young actor, more power to him, but absolutely no comparison with anybody else on screen. And also the action in the movie. The David Lowry, who was the writer director of this, who had also done he he had done the Green Knight and the remake of Pete's Dragon, which were better than this. And here again, it reminds me something of not, I can't really say, it's similar to Thor, Love and Thunder, in that you could tell that it was a couple of movies being wedged together, hmm. but they never quite nailed the landing on any of the movies. Because it could have been called Peter Pan and Wendy. It also could have been called Peter Pan and Captain Hook. Hmm. They both have relationships. And they never quite, and they introduce a lot of very interesting ideas, but they never nail the landing on any of them. They're all interesting. They're interesting ideas, but they don't. Actually, she got closest at the very end of the uh, of the movie, because throughout the movie, they were saying, you don't understand. You have to learn to understand her. 
and at the okay. end. And so actually they also could have done another movie called Wendy and Tinkerbell because they have a relationship that pays off pretty well. Right. Yeah. So it, it just, it's very, it's a very interesting movie. Mm -hmm. It just, it's just a disappointing movie too. You can God see it could have worked. It wasn't as bad as Artemis Fowl, Lord knows, but <laughs> right. uh, it wasn't as good as any other Peter Pan that uh, just gotcha. Jude Law as Hook was he wasted or did he do a good job? No, he wasn't wasted, but he uh, he was shortchanged. Was mm. again the relationship with Wendy was shortchanged. The relationship with Tinkerbell was shortchanged. The relationship with with Hook was shortchanged. And also the relationship that Hook had with the alligator, the ticking alligator, was shortchanged. The first sequence with the ticking alligator, I loved. I thought it was great, and then doesn't get doesn't pay off. Ah. And the sword fighting is very rude. They have a they have a sequence on the boat, the, the climactic sequence, well, on the floating ship, on Hook's floating ship, where all the the Neverland kids come in and all the Indian kids come in. And they handle that very well, too. But they have these wonderful Native American fighters and Asian fighters. And it could have been a magnificent sequence to show you how kids can't, can, with mm -hmm. the right training and understanding, defeat pirates very effectively. But everything was shortchanged. Everything, all the, all the edges were blunted. It was childproof. Mm -hmm. This movie was childproofed. Right, right, right. You know, and it's like kind of like Lowry wanted to do an adult movie, and Disney was going, no, 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 don't do that, don't do right. that. This, this is for kids. So mm. it's not quite one or the other. It's good. It just could have been great if if they had let Lowry make what he apparently wanted to make. Gotcha. I still think uh, Spielberg's Hook is underrated. You know, I think that's an underrated movie. I, you know, I enjoy that movie. But I think it's underrated. <laughs> well, the question is, when did you see it? Did you see it when it premiered, or did you see it when it came out in theater? Yeah. Oh, you did see it when it came out. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I saw it when it came in the theater too, and I was I was not incredibly happy, but I wasn't sad. Okay, copy it was, that. It was certainly <laughs> certainly better than this. I don't I don't think it's trash. No, people were, think people are saying it's Spielberg's worst movie. I'm like, really? But well, this one, this one right there. here. Hold on, oh, hold on, hold oh, on. Let's stop you there. Okay. You know, you know, there are certain things you don't say to me. Number one is I can't wait. You don't say I can't wait. To <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> and you don't say literally unless uh -huh. it actually is literally. <laughs> and the other thing you don't see is you don't invoke people. Uh-huh. Because who the F are you talking about? Mm. Saying people. Yeah. Who are these people? Do you know I've, any of their names? I've seen a lot of reviews. I've yeah, seen a lot of comments. But I just said at the beginning yeah. of the show, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. sees a lot of reviews. Right, right. And they're equal now. There's haters yeah. and there's lovers. And so the right. haters said that it's his worst movie. And the fact that anyone would say it's Spielberg's worst movie, worst movie means they're haters. There because you go. Spielberg has not made a worst movie. He has not, he's, <laughs> not, he's made a movie that we have liked less than his right. other movies, but that's our decision. Yeah. Every yeah. movie that he's made, he's made from his heart. I personally think my least favorite was uh, that video game movie he made, which I'm a just, Ready Player One, yeah, Ready Player One, which I thought was awful. 
Yeah. But um, but yeah, even West Side Story. I mean, yeah. So don't 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 listen. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't listen to. It. <laughs> well, this one I will listen to. This I agree with Lady Danish here. I, I actually think this is underrated too. The one that came out in 2003 when Gabriel Byrne played Captain Hook. I thought that was a really good Peter Pan. Yeah, and I also know. I love the stage Peter Pan's. Peter Pan's a great story. Yeah, yeah. This could have been great if they let it be what it seems to have been trying to be. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's go to the, some wait, spy. Wait. <laughs> let's go to some okay. spy action comedy here with Ghosted. <laughs> I got to show the face. <laughs> Oh boy! I heard from one of one of your guys, one of your army, who uh-huh. was saying, you know, oh yeah, when I when I put in my uh, uh-huh. when I put it up, when I was advertising this on Facebook, he came in and said, I saw it and I liked it, and I don't think it deserved all the uh, all the re- bad reviews it got. What did you think, Rick? And I went, I liked it too, and I thought I, it deserved all the bad reviews it got. <laughs> it is. So this is like good bad. It's. No, it's a Netflix movie. So again, okay. it's way too long. Mm. The first 40 minutes should have been 10. Yeah. And I think its fatal flaw is that Chris Chris Evans was miscast. Oh, okay. There's no way he should be playing the character he's playing. He's playing a, an incompetent nerd jerk. A nice guy, it turns out well for him at the end. Ana de Armas, however, is just incredible. She's yeah. so powerful. Again, the fact the Bond guys didn't grab her and make an, a series with her, now she's doing uh, the John Wick spinoff, The Ballerina. And she and she is so incredibly watchable. And, she, and usually, you know, with me, when I see a, a woman of her size taking on a gun that would normally throw her across the room and into the wall, she she sells it. She, do, she did that in uh, No Time to Die as well. She was, to my mind, remarkably convincing. And she was also convincing here. But the, the movie conspires against her. It mm. wants to be a comedy romance. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a comedy romance. It should be an action, a humorous action movie but again, by the time she's playing it real and nobody else is, they want it to be fun. Okay. But it starts. It starts. It started wearing me down mm. because okay. it was just too stupid. It was too self-conscious. Yeah, this was exactly the kind of movie where you hear that everybody had fun making it. Mm. Usually, when I hear that people are having a, we had a ball making this. It it comes out the way it does. They're mm. having a great time, but we're not. We don't get to share it. The audience doesn't get to share the great time. It's great that you're having a great time, guys. And I would rather you have a great time than a terrible time. But this is very similar to what was that? Uh, what was that? Rock and Ryan Reynolds and uh, Wonder Woman uh, Netflix. Red movie. Notice. Yeah, this is so- very similar. Mm. In that, oh, yay! Yeah, it's lightheaded. It's okay, lightheaded. she's trying to play it real. Yeah, everybody else is sabotaging it. Okay, we'll keep moving along there. It's done by Dexter Fletcher, oh. who made Rocket Man. Okay, and, and the uh, uh, Felix Betancourt 
did the action. But it turns out that Felix Betancourt is, is the Netflix action guy. He also did the action for Day Shift, you know, oh, that vampire yeah. movie, and yeah. for The Gray Man, one of my yeah. least favorites. <laughs> and also he did, he's doing the action for Shadow and Bone. So apparently he's, he's Netflix's go-to guy when it comes to action. Okay. Copy that. Well, he doesn't have anything to do with the scripts. No. <laughs> the action is, is fine. Okay. It, but it's sort of empty-headed. It's light-headed action. Gotcha. But right. it sets up our next two. It sets up our next two or three because we're coming to the next phase. We've entered the next phase of the show. Yeah. first phase of the show is the uh, fan service phase. Now we're getting into secret agent world, or let's call it spy world. Okay. Spy world. I knew we were in trouble when, you know, you know me, I'm getting tired of zombies, uh -huh. getting tired of assassins. Bad assassins. Yeah, and yeah. good assassins. Bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I call them is bad assassins. Uh, <laughs> bad assassins. Bad assassins. Yes. Yeah, so now when the Bollywood introduced their spy universe, I think Hollywood sort of went, hmm. That's not, those aren't assassins. Those aren't zombies. Let's do that too. So now, apparently, I'm not going to say people. I'm going to say mm -hmm. everybody. That's also a wild exaggeration. But just this, this month, we're about to do, what, four, three or four spy, spy things. Ghosted was the first. Tell mm -hmm. us what's next. Tell me what's next. Citadel. Citadel. Amazon original. This is a series, right? This is a series. Did you, uh, Fat, did you enjoy the uh, Lord of the Rings series they did? I did not even watch it after I, <laughs> after you told me about it, I'd lost interest. I didn't really, I was, eh, I didn't watch it. Very Sadly, cool. okay. Amazon, I love Amazon. Okay. I use Amazon all the time. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I'm me an too. Amazon Prime card. Mm -hmm. So I wish Amazon Prime Video did better work. Mm. I wish Amazon Prime Video lived up to Amazon Prime because now with Citadel, you we found out that their the soft Lord of the Rings series was not a fluke. Mm. This is what they do. Oh they no! Get a big idea, okay. and just dump money on it, and unfortunately, and they get. This guy, 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 this guy. They don't seem to check whether any of these people work together. They don't seem to check whether they all work as a group. And they just sort of say, and, and it's my least favorite kind of pop culture film, which is, you know, well, what should we do? Should we do a James Bond movie? Should we do a Mission Impossible movie? Should we do a Bourne movie? Should we do whatever? Ah, oh, fuck. Let's do them all. And let's be really obvious about it. <laughs> let's tell the audience that, hey, isn't this great? We're doing fan service for you spy lovers. Hey, aren't we great? 
Yeah. See, wow. that's the difference between okay. good fan service and bad fan service. Here they're talking what Mario Brothers, Power Rangers, Picard, and Mandalorian did was talk up to us or talk on a level to us. Here they're talking down. Mm. They're talking down a lot. And worse, just again, great stars. Same thing with Ghosted. The stars are terrific. Oh, yeah. Let me talk to Frank. If Frank's watching, Frank thought that uh, Robert Madden there was going yeah. to be the next James Bond because there was a there was a video that showed up online of him and Stanley Tucci having uh, a martini shaken, not stirred. And he uh -huh. thought that was a big hint that he's the new James Bond. No, they're both in this show, which rips off James Bond. Mm. Tucci is playing the MQ character, and Madden is playing the Bond born, you know. In fact, it's so obvious that they're doing this stuff that at one point, one of the Madden character's wives, you know, makes a joke about Bourne right to his face. It's kind of like, uh -huh. see, notice, you notice. <laughs> and the other thing is that all the people involved, it's like the last season of Game of Thrones. Mm. In yeah. that, the, yeah, the people who made the last season of Game of Thrones was just were just throwing stuff at, they were just throwing stuff at the wall. That's all they would do. They didn't have any sense of what would work and would not work. That's what's happening here. So rather than say, well, how can we explain this? Well, we can't explain this. So just le let's leave it unexplained. Mm. Let's just let's just continue to frustrate. They did the same thing in the Lord of the Rings. Let's just continue to frustrate the viewer because we don't know how to we don't know how to do a story. We're going to do yeah. Uh, a friends of mine would uh, the wonderful the late great uh chris brown who's my dear a cartoonist friend who did the hague of the horrible comic strip he would always go rick i have this great idea and then he would give me this his great idea and i'm saying chris that's not an idea that's an i or a d that's neither that you have to connect them up for them to become an idea you're just coming up you're coming up with part of an idea that's what these guys are doing mm. just throw stuff at the walls you know, because you like spies and because we we put all this obvious uh, homages, ripoffs to James Bond, Mission Impossible and Born and other things yeah. that you'll be satisfied. Mm. That's unfortunate. So yeah. what you're saying, Rick, is that because of the track record right now, we should probably be smart and not be not be too excited for Amazon Prime's Robocop. And Stargate properties that are going to be coming out soon. Well, at least Maybe... those are established. Okay. So hopefully they'll get someone who loves them and will do them the proper justice. Hopefully, yeah. Here, it's clear these people are are talking down to us. Just don't talk. I mean, we should all get in touch. I should get in touch with my usual uh, Amazon Prime robot and say, guys, find people who love what they do there and let go. them do it. Don't just just don't throw money at it. In fact. Let's do a couple of cheap movies that are done by people. Give people a chance to do stuff that they love. Yes. Yeah, for and, sure. And stop trying to cater to us, your audience. Right. Just put out good stuff. I agree. I agree. Let's keep it spy here. <laughs> we have The Night Agent. Netflix. All right. Now, Netflix, again, it's pretty much that, you know, uh, Amazon heard that they, that, uh, uh, Netflix was doing Ghosted and Night Agent, both of which is um, 
Now, Samurai Warriors, come on. I don't, I don't denigrate. I like new actors. And if they get it, and also there's been a couple of other Robocops, but in any case. But yeah, Peter Waller was the best. Anyway, so <laughs> far, but I'm leaving my yeah. I'm leaving my uh, Yeah, love Peter Weller. But yeah, I think it's okay. It's it's a better version of Citadel. It's, okay. It doesn't kowtow. It, it works on a on a decent idea. It works as a season, but it is the rudimentary. Let's see. It's uh, Sean. That's why Sean Ryan did it. Sean Ryan was the creator of the Shield, and he always puts his money where his mouth is. He always puts his heart on his sleeve. Nice. He's always trying to do the best he can. So he put together a good spy series all right and matthew mylea did the uh the action and did a credible job but of course they're not doing extraordinary action they're not doing tom cruise stuff you're not yeah. going to see any henry cavell popeye punches in the bathroom but it's a good solid spy thriller it's far preferable to citadel or even ghost nice all right is there going to be a season two or it's too early to tell it looks or... good it looks okay good, but all right I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not the amazing Kreskin. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the show Vikings. I, I love that show. And so when that show, before that show ended, another show started during its run and I got into that show and I, I enjoyed the first two seasons, but for some reason, I still can't remember why I never got back into it when it came back on. So I unfortunately can't jump in and watch this movie here. <laughs> I would have to catch up and rewatch everything all over again. But I don't remember. I don't remember anything. I don't remember hating anything of why I didn't continue. But uh, I, I was enjoying this series, uh, The Last Kingdom, while I was watching it. So this is—is is this the a, a, like a final finale film? Yeah. This is the finale film. Nice. This wraps it all up. And I can explain why you, I can exp give you a, a decent reason why you didn't watch it. Because it's something yeah. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which is we have so many good things to watch. It's true. <laughs> so much to watch. So if it doesn't hold your attention, because literally we'll be watching The Last Kingdom, then you go, ooh, look over there. And yeah. there's something else you want to see. Yeah. And so you don't miss it. So they they gave it its finale. Okay. It, if you liked The Last Kingdom, if you liked Vikings, even if you liked the first five seasons of uh, Game of Thrones, you're in good shape. Nice. That's what it is. They unfortunately had to cut characters out because they had a limited amount of time. They didn't have the freedom of multiple episodes. They had a two-hour movie, and that was it. So yeah. there some characters that I missed, but, not, but they concentrated very well on the main guy, and it is... It's the kind of, I mean, the sword play is far better than Peter Pan and Wendy. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope so. <laughs> it, it's, it's Viking sword play. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not looking for finesse. Right. And right. it's a beautiful, it's a great, it's a great budget. There are armies fighting. It's, it's very, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. You know what, you're absolutely right, KL. Um, oh yeah, absolutely right about Luther. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. yeah, so if I would, I could recommend it to you, Fab. Okay, nice. I can recommend it to you too. It's it's very satisfying if you're in the mood. If you're not in the mood, <laughs> what are you watching it for? Right, right, right. All right. Well, that's good to know. And it is. There's no. There's not a series of movies coming. It's just this is it. To my unless this does spectacularly well, which I you know, and it's Netflix, and there's hard yeah. to tell. I I doubt it. And also, it it finishes the story. It's a good ending. 
Nice. Or don't, cool. you know, don't ruin it. All right. All right. Copy that. I'll have to definitely check it or out. Don't ruin it. Do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not the boss of you. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have Marco Zoror's Fist of the Condor, a Haya original. Rick, thoughts on Marco trying to take something similar, but make it feel different in his own way? Well, we have entered into the third portion of our show. Okay. We've had fan service. We've had the spy units. And now we have the martial artists of the world attempting to find a way to survive when an entire country that created Kung Fu doesn't want them to do Kung Fu movies. Mm. So everybody has to adapt. I might add, by the way, that I just found out today on Netflix that it, there's a new movie by the guy who did Lost Bullet 1 and 2. What? It's called AKA. Oh. It just showed up. Woo! And he's playing a new character. Okay. And that's the French style. Okay. Now we get on to Fist of Condor, mm -hmm. which is Marco. Mm -hmm. Chile. Chile. Mm -hmm. Ecuador, I think. Yeah. And, of course, I met Marco years ago. Marco was a guest at the Kung Fu Extravaganza for his first two films. And we had this a wonderful – so I'm always on his side. But at the same time, I know Marco as personal, personally. Okay. It's kind of like in all of his movies, this is Marco in person. I'm going to do my impersonation of Marco in person. Okay. Hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. You're great. Oh, yeah, I love this. I love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is terrific drink. Oh, this is terrific food. This is Marco in his movies. <laughs> his? There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. He has... He's playing, when he gets on screen, he becomes that. Right. And it's like, and I always, and I've told him in the first two, I haven't talked to him since seeing Fisted Condor, but it's the same thing. He's just, <laughs> he's not a zombie. Uh -huh. What's the phrase for him? I mean, in other words, he's stoic. Stoic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a rock, not the rock. He's a rock. Yeah. And it's like going, I really think this would be better. Everything would be better if it had some of your personality in it. So you uh -huh. know your sense of humor, your 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 wit. But but as you can as you can vouch, mm -hmm. this is a very serious movie. Yeah. I mean, could you call this movie fun? Well. I had fun with it, but I like different. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I, I'm different. I'm different, but yeah. It is a badass movie. There's no yeah. question. This is a very badass movie. And as such, if you like supreme badassery, badassery supreme, yes, you will do just fine. And Marco's the real deal. So it's all he's always worth seeing. And again, 90 minutes. It's it car and look you can see just by these pictures, very well made, filmed on location. Mm -hmm. He's working with his longtime collaborator, the guy who directed his yeah. most of his stuff. Yes, and they have they are simpatico. Yeah, in the, Ernesto, yeah, and but Ernesto Ernesto has a great personality too. 
So I'm going, you know, if yeah. he, if Marco is our guest at uh-huh. the extravaganza this year, yeah, hopefully, July, yeah, I'm going to full press and hopefully Ernesto will come with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, full, I'm gonna do remember what we did, you know, I they'll they'll be able to tell me what year they were there originally because it was a long time ago, right? Right, I'll, right. I'll say, come on, guys, well, let's go, let's make a movie with both your personalities in it, let's yeah. surprise yeah. everybody and just do something. You you come the you can become the big you could become the next Jackie not Jackie Chan we're about to do yeah. Jackie Chan but you could do what Jackie Chan did which is mm. listen to Bruce Lee listen to Bruce Lee Marco <laughs> learn everything you can from everyone you can then make it your own and yeah. you have made it your own but that's not you Marco that's not you <laughs> your own make it you yeah then I'll be going yeah baby. <laughs> Believe me, nothing. There's nothing more frightening uh-huh. than the, what's more. Let me put it this way: There's more, what's more frightening. Put another. Yeah. Put one of those pictures of Marco back up. There's one thing that's more frightening than Marco looking at you like that. Yeah, that's Marco looking at you like that and smiling. <laughs> it might be time to run. Time to go, egg, man. Egg, fucking, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well worth seeing. And of yeah. course, also also on um on higher right now, speaking of fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Mystic Nine and Legend of the Legend of the Demon Cat. How are these two? They're insane. Oh we fun. What's, but what's amazing about them is that one is the demon uh the uh Mystic Nine is another one of those direct to streaming things that was very expensive like 80 minutes long and raised and legend of the demon cat is done by chen kage a chen kage film jen he's made some of the most cerebral uh martial art wushu movies and legend of the demon cat puts on and all my all my uh uh friends who were involved with the uh adventure of fighting the Chinese film bureau to make more Kung Fu movies is going, I thought they didn't let you do demon cats anymore because the Chinese film uh, uh, bureau, you can't do anything supernatural anymore. Oh my goodness. And I found out that this was made a couple of years ago. Okay. Okay. Definitely guys, this may be your last chance to see a Chinese uh, supernatural movie with an actual demon cat in it. So Yeah. yeah, take a look at this thing. And again, Beautifully made. Chen Kage. Chen Kage is an a film uh, artist. Nice. So the nice. two of those together, I watched them in a row, and I was just like, "Talk about yin yang." I mean, yeah. just, they're both, but they're both crazed in their own way, and both sumptuous. And oh, they don't make movies like that. And no, well, China makes it like that. All right, time. right. Well, they sound like fun. Oh, they sure. are. They're very fun, especially you see them one after the other. Well, speaking of fun, how was Ride On, Rick? Again, this is the next couple of films we're going to be talking about here, the next two. Okay. Are Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen. They are both trying to find out how they can survive in a country that doesn't want Kung Fu films. (sighs) It's frustrating. It is, but these guys are the foundation. Yes, I mean, right. Yeah. Jackie Chan, Sam Hong, Donnie Yen, Jet Li. And those guys have all found their own way to 
to do their thing. I found it fascinating that when Michelle Yeoh, after winning her Oscar, went back to Hong Kong and had a huge dinner with Donnie Yen in attendance, Yu Wu Ping in attendance, Anthony Wong in attendance, Zhao Yan Fat in attendance. Wow. Guess who was missing? Jackie. Jackie. Wow. Because Jackie's not welcome in, in Hong Kong anymore. But Jackie is finding his way. And of course, we on the last episode, we talked about that wonderful fan service a short subject. Oh yeah, that was great. With Jackie in it. And that's that's how Jackie is finding his balance. He is letting his fans come pay homage to him. And Ride On is written and directed by Larry Yang, who's a huge Jackie Chan fan. And he sent he sent a script to Jackie unbidden and Jackie said, "No, I don't want to do this, but if you do this and this and this and this, then I'll do it." And so yeah. Larry, Larry, he gave Larry, I think, like two months to do it. And Larry did it in like 10 days. He just was wow. so excited. And then Jackie said, yeah, I'll do it. And it's and it reminds me the last time I seriously had, you know, really deep conversations with uh, with, with Jackie was yeah. back in 2001 when I was in Hong Kong and working on what became the medallion. I was very happy to get out of that before that crashed and burned. But one of the right, things right. we talked, one of the things we we talked about very seriously, <laughs> is uh, during that era I also got to see the movies that he was putting out, and I th I think it was New Police Story or whatever. I think it was one of the it was one of the police stories. Okay, and Jackie. Jackie took every opportunity. Jackie wanted to be seen by his fandom by his audience as a great actor. He wanted to prove he was a great actor. So in this movie, he cried every possible chance he got. Mm. Because he assumed that if you cry, that means you're a good actor. If you can cry on cue, well, you know, Jackie was crying in that movie at the drop, at the drop of a snot, at the oh, drop wow. of a hat. He was yeah. cried every chance he got in that movie. If you go back and watch, he's like, and I said, I sent him, I sent him a link. Mm -hmm. to um, um, the Clint Eastwood uh, boxing movie with a uh, 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 million. Jeez, uh, again, I'm blanking. I'm an old. It's man. okay. <laughs> uh, it's the one, uh, the Oscar winner. She won the Oscar for the second year in a row because she was in it. Uh, he yeah. played, uh, Clint Eastwood played her uh, boxing manager. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you remember what it's called? <laughs> I'm getting old too. Oh, there we go. Uh, guys, there you go. Uh, thank you, Chad. Yeah, let's. I knew it just before I got here, and I should have written it down here, but I yeah. didn't write it down. But in any case, I sent yeah. him a copy of Millionaire, Million Dollar Baby. There you go. Thank you, guys. I was going to say Millionaire's Express. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. It's a Million Dollar Baby. That's yeah, right. Thank you, guys. I sent him yeah. a link to Million Dollar Baby, and I said, Watch Clint Eastwood. That's how you cry in a movie. Right. Because if you remember that movie, he almost cries, almost cries, almost cries. It's not until the very end where he just lets go. And that's where I let go. It was just yeah. awesome. That's what. So what happens here is Jackie always has his heart on his sleeve. Always. Yeah. Now, in fact, he has all his internal organs on his sleeve. He has his pancreas. He has a spleen. He has his gallbladder. Yeah. He's, he just lets it all out. So right on is an homage to his past but also an homage to the kind of movie he wants to make. Nice. Which is hard on his sleeve, 
family uh, drama. Okay. And as such, it works well. I'm always happy when I see Jackie in his movies acting his age, yeah. letting the gray in his hair. My feeling is let it go. But then again, I'm come from Santa, so I want. I keep telling myself every morning, "Go white, go white, go white." <laughs> don't, I don't want any. I don't want any dark yeah. hair at all. Yeah. But it's still it's still worth seeing if you're expecting it to be a return to form. No. As people no. will say. No. No, it's going to be Jackie finding a happy balance between his masters in China and his fans, who he has built up over. Since 1975 or six, yeah. and as such, this is a good compromise. All it right, is, it is sweet, and I'm going. Keep up, Keep improving. Nice. I, I am looking forward to seeing it, Rick. <laughs> um, and for everybody watching, here's a little fun little throwback uh, photo with Rick and Jackie. Oh shit! Look at that. Look the at first legend. Time, the first time I met him. In that 1978. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I'm loving and, the shirt, by the way, Rick. Well, that both the shirt and the pants were made in Hong Kong the night before. I went to a I went to a uh, one of those famous uh, tailors they had in yeah. Hong Kong at that time, yeah. and they would do yeah. it. They, they advertised doing it in 24 hours. Yeah. And so I went, wow wow. I just said boom. And of course, the reason I had all robots is that I got the cheapest material. Yeah. <laughs> the big old pants. The big old pants. Yeah. I this is still my favorite picture though, Rick. Boom. Oh, yeah. That was on that was on the set of Miracle or you know, uh and that's and you and can you recognize all the stuntmen? Oh yeah, I see him, yeah. There's oh yeah. Low and uh, Mars is in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and again Chin Carlock there? He's somewhere. I thought I thought it's hey, it could be, could be. Yeah, nice. Like, all much younger then, and also uh and and they loved it when I and I told them I said because I had a couple of other pictures with the uh, stuntmen by themselves and then when that picture was going to be taken I said everybody hit me yeah I deserved yeah. it and Some also I tell you the story when I first met Jackie the reason he was so nice to me and had his arm around my shoulder which I was told later was very rare oh really especially for Guaylo and the reason my sleeves are are rolled up is that it was ninety degrees outside with ninety percent humidity so I was just I just had a I had a sweatshirt on under yeah, those yeah. clothing. I came into his office and he was having an argument with his producer. And uh, he took a look at me and it was just perfect timing. I don't know why. And he said, you come here. Because he wanted to because they were having an argument about who should direct Jackie in America. And suddenly an American shows up in the doorway. Right. And so, <laughs> well, thank you, KL. By the way, I'm, they're doing a documentary on me now, and they asked me to write my memoir, uh, which is tentatively titled uh, Learning to Live. Um, but in any case, when that happens, I'll let you guys all know. And Oh, I'll, yeah, for sure. I'll send, you, I'll send you free copies, but whatever. So I get to the office. He, said, he points at me and goes, come here. And he puts his arm around my shoulder again, points at his producer, and says, who should direct me in America? And without pausing, I just told him the truth. Because again, after all, he didn't know this yet, but I'm the anvil. I said, you, you're the only one who should be directing you. And he turns to his producer friend and goes, see? <laughs> and from then on, we were friends. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
All right. Anyway. Well, I we got to check out right on, guys. So keep an eye out from that from Wellgo. But now Wellgo, Wellgo will have yeah. it very yes. And speaking of Wellgo, Sakura. Yeah. All right. Now, this is Donnie. You see what you see, you see what Donnie has been doing. If you've seen uh, uh, Rogue One, if you've seen Mulan, if you've seen John Wick 4, mm -hmm. there was a period of time when John, where Donnie was persona non grata on American film sets because he behaved in an uh, egocentric way. But now he is finding his balance and his peace. He is doing what Jet Li did. He's finding his balance. He's doing his kung fu. And he's not, and Donnie is willing to stop doing copies of Bruce. Donnie seems to be willing to become, to find out who Donnie is. All right. And this is how he's doing it. Although he's still copying, of course, in Rogue One and in John Wick, he was doing Zatoichi. And Zatoichi, the blind swordsman, is a huge influence for Hong Kong cinema. And here he's doing his wuxia. He started by doing his, his wuxia specifically with um, Dragon Tiger Gate, where it was a, 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 a comic adaptation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not manga's manhao, manhua. Man this was his manhua movie. So this is his wuxia movie. Dragon Tiger Gate was manhua. This is wuxia. Wuxia is the floating swordsman. But right. this also has somebody behind the scenes who should not and could cannot, for me in any in any way, in any case, be ignored, and that's Kenji Tanagaki. Yes. This is the partnership of Kenji and Donnie as fight coordinators. Oh man. Fight designers. Yeah. And as such, but then if you're expecting Donnie of the past or Kenji of the past. You may be a little disappointed. Don't expect that. Okay. This is Wu Sha. Right, right. Based on it's based on demigods and semi-devils by Jin Yong, where there have been, I would say, dozens, at least a half a dozen adaptations of that convoluted Wu Sha novel by right. Jin Yong. This is their shot at it. Okay. If you do the research, especially if you go and look on the various channels to find other wuxia movies based on demigods and semi-devils yeah you'll be ready and as such you can appreciate it the way it should be appreciated and then you then make an educated judgment okay oh hold on one second rick i, yes. I missed this earlier uh thank oh. you nate dogs shout out to nate dogs for the super chat that's right fucking ruckus has been starting yes but well, thank you so much brother appreciate it uh okay go ahead rick well, no, I'm, I'm good with Sakura. I'm saying everybody should see it, make their own decisions. Do not go into it expecting something. Go into it with your mind open. You know, what do I say in my Kung Fu lessons? Open hand, open mm -hmm. heart, open mind. Well, from that trailer, well, that, some of that sword play was really, looked really good. Put the poster up. You notice his hands? Uh-huh. Yep. Do you see his fists? Nope. Open there hand. <laughs> Oh man, awesome, awesome. Uh, really quick before we end it with the last one, uh, we had some questions here for you, Rick. About yes, people are asking uh, in the chat, is Jet Lee retired? Essentially, okay. 
Well, you know, listen, you saw him in Mulan, uh, the live action Mulan. Uh, you know, after that, why do anything? I mean, basically, he just did that for the American money that he could put into his charity. He's far right. more interested in doing charitable work. And again, if you see him at these premieres, if you see him, uh, he was just at a, at a premiere. Um, again, all these rumors that people would say that he's sick, he's fine. He's a Kung Fu master. Yeah. I, I am willing. That he, Jet Li is one of the few people I will say in private and in public to his face, master. He will say, no, I'm not a master. I'm a student. I'm saying I understand that. But you're a master for me. Because yeah. always, Jet Li has always said things that I take with me and becomes my rule of thumb. I mean, he told me many, many decades, not many decades ago, but several decades ago, he, he said to me, Kung Fu students, only, only opponent is themselves. And, I, and everything he's ever said to me, I just go, yeah, no <laughs> arguing with you, man. You are the master. Yep. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right. Well, it was good to hear that he's doing well. He's doing he, great. He's a legend. All right. The last one here. Uh, you have not seen this one yet, Rick. And I will not go into detail. This will be really brief because our spoiler review with me and Lady Fat is coming up very soon. So I, I'm not going to get into too much here, but I'll be brief. Let me, let me interrupt. Go ahead. I have seen it. Oh, you have seen it. Okay. Well, never mind. I will keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, what do you think? Because I'll tell you. I'll tell Actually, you. I, I have a question. Yes. I have a question. But let me hear what you have to say first, and then I, 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 I love the movie. <laughs> I was willing to suspend my disbelief to enjoy it. Something I, about you know, something about the have... movie felt like they don't really make movies like this anymore. So I love the cinematography. I love the movie, but yeah. I, I, I have issues. I have. I might as well just ask you now, and then you can go into it. Yeah. So I, I was, I was having too much fun with friends. When yep. I saw it Friday, so when yep. we did our quick out of the theater thoughts and reactions, I was mostly gushing, and I had one nitpick, and the only nitpick I mentioned was I kind of wanted him to kill more Nazis, <laughs> but there was enough Nazis killed to where well, you'll be satisfied, but I wanted more because Samurai Guy's greedy. But, Rick, help me out here. This is the other nitpick, guys, for Sisu. I loved it, but my other nitpick was what happened with the last two in fights the lat the fight on the tank you couldn't see anything you could barely see what was going on and the fight no spoilers the fight inside the airplane yep. you could barely you couldn't see like what happened that's the i was like i don't know maybe you, they ran out of time i, I don't know help me out here Rick. Well, i said again i'm not preston i okay. wasn't upset, but okay. i noticed that immediately yeah that and was I a little said, again what I said earlier about being a mystery reader and yeah. a mystery solver, yeah. that's my latest mystery I want solved. I'm okay. going to do research, and maybe next month I'll have some information. Yes, please. Thank you. But my guess is usually when something like that happens, because let me make it clear to everybody, this is an incredibly awesome, fun movie. Yes, he loved it. I, didn't, he, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if Rick was going to like it. Oh, well, here's the deal. I mean, okay. when I was growing up, I would read mysteries and, and science fiction novels every day. I would, at my height, I was doing five a week. And I, and I read every single one that came out. And there's, and of course, in mysteries, there's Ellery Queen, there's uh, 
Perry Mason, there's Agatha Christie, there's these top guys, but then there's these all these little pot boilers, all these guys who are not famous now, but I love them. I mean, Edward S. Aarons was one of my favorite uh, spy writers. He did a series of uh, paperback novels, Assignment, colon, something. And he did like dozens and dozens of them. And these were really like pot boilers. These were enormously fun to read. And when I was watching this movie, I was going, this is one of those novels. This is one of those thriller novels written by a guy who loves to do thriller novels. And also, this is a guy who does balance, who, the, the filmmaker, Ola Kitty, um, he, he, he is a balance person. He had, to, he had to figure out, in other words, he had to figure out whether he had to serve you or serve everybody else. In other words, this is a movie for action lovers to enjoy. And he wanted to make sure he didn't push it too far. Because again, the reason, one of the reasons I love this movie is I cared so much for this guy. Yeah. I cared about him. And I didn't want him to become a video game character. And I thought that Ula handled it correctly. He stopped it just before, maybe a hair's breadth before he became a video game character. He was still throughout believable as a human being. And also, remember, there's five different movies and a bunch of books that are called Sisu. You know what Sisu means? Yes. They explained it in the movie. Stoic determination. Yes. That's what this guy did. And also, he loved, he loved innocent women. He loved his dog. Nazis and his horse. Yes, we. That's right. We live in a world where there's a lot of conflict, so it's nice to go see a movie where the heroes are clear and the villains are clear. Mm. And for the most part, unless you are a Nazi, you're very happy to see Nazis slaughtered. (laughs) And here, and you know, going back to Farm Film Report on SCTV. They got killed real good. <laughs> they got blowed up real good. And man, I felt it. Uh, it just was like, I'm looking forward to seeing it another time. And I'm also looking forward to seeing my guess is usually when a movie made by responsible people falls at the end. Yeah. Because of money, it's because of time. Okay. That's and what I'm thinking. And also, and the director, because the rest of the movie was so good. And it was yeah. so satisfying that even those last two things, you know, yeah, we, we would love to have seen it. Right. And hopefully someday if they get more money, they'll they'll light it up in the lab or something. Yeah, yeah. But maybe he just sort of said, we just don't have the time to choreograph these as well as the previous stuff. So That's what I'm thinking. It's going to have to do it in the market. Yeah. But it, it didn't ruin the movie for me. Did uh, it ruin the movie for yeah. me? Yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm so happy. That makes me happy that Rick, because uh, sometimes I don't know with Rick. <laughs> sometimes it's like oh man rick didn't like that one okay we'll move on <laughs> nothing i like about it. well you know because it was as i said it's not just badassery this isn't just badassery right i cared for this guy and right, at no right. time in this movie was he trying to prove that he was a badass right right it was just like <sighs> yeah yeah <laughs> I do not want you people to make me do this, but if you make me do this, I will put a fucking knife through your fucking head. That's right. So that's the difference. Oftentimes, the way we split up 
is when you've seen a movie where everybody's being a badass. Yeah, yeah. And it's like going, that bores me. <laughs> yeah. But it's still fun sometimes. Well, uh, really quick, Rick, well, we got one. We got yes. a question here. Thank you, Kevin, for the super chat. He says, Rick, quick question. What's your thoughts on the new MonsterVerse film, Godzilla uh, X Kong, The New Empire? Also, I want that shirt from the Jackie Pick. <laughs> well, of course, I want that shirt from the Jackie Pick, too. I don't yeah. have it any longer. I think it melted off my body. <laughs> I, you know, I stayed in Hong Kong for like three months, uh, three yeah. months after that, and it was 90 degrees and 90% humidity plus every day. Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, well, again, I will reiterate what I said earlier, which is I'm not Kreskin. Okay. So... I, I call that a science fiction question. You're asking me to predict the future. I've seen Kong and Godzilla movies that I've liked. I have mm -hmm. seen Kong and Godzilla movies that I have not liked. Mm -hmm. So it's not a sure thing. And I don't know who's making it. I've been seeing the Shin stuff lately. You know, right. Shin, Ultraman, right. Simon Raider, mm -hmm. in a Godzilla. And I appreciate those for the thought that goes into them. Right. Well, I am hoping... I always hope mm -hmm. uh, it's not the despair, the despair I can handle. I mean, it's the hope. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's good. And if it's good, I'll be happy. And if it's not good, I won't. There you go. There we go. So, so yeah, hopefully it is good. And before we do the quick uh, roundabout for the, for you badasses just showing up uh, really quick, Rick, when you, yeah. what you said about Marco earlier, reminded me of a few things, how you want to see him smile more and emote more. Check out movies Mirage Man, which is kind of a comedy. Yep, we showed clips from that. And uh, Mandrill, he, <laughs> he's, he's a spy in that. Yep. But I remembered when you said smile, run away. Well, he smiled a lot uh, in Undisputed 3 when he went up against Scott Atkins in that. And he got voted for best villain for that movie. So there you go, Rick. So hopefully we get some more smiling. Let's do some more of that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, some more of him talking about his chocolate. I love Undisputed 3. But uh, yeah, all right, guys. We're going to do the quick rundown again for you badasses. Just showing up. If you missed it, uh, go back and watch the whole episode. It's awesome. But if you can't, we're going to do the quick roll call. Rick's going to be doing his thumbs, <laughs> the master thumb work. Here we go. Super Mario Brothers. Go for it. Okay. All right. Next up, we got Power Rangers once and always. Okay. All right. Star Trek Picard season three. All right. Thumb up for that. Mandalorian season three. Okay. Peter Pan. Let me, hold on. Let, oh, me do, oh. let me do what Groku would do. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right. Peter Pan and Wendy. Okay, a little bit to the side. More middle. Middle. Okay, middle. Okay. Uh, ghosted? There you go. <laughs> Citadel? <laughs> the Night Agent. Okay, all right. Seven Kings Must Die film. All right, thumbs up for that. Fist of the Condor. Okay, all right. Wait a minute. Fist hold on. Hold on. Uh, fist of, hold on. Let me do a fist of condor. First, okay. let me do it Marco style. Okay, yeah, do it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll do these together Mystic Nine and uh, Legend of the Demon Cat. 
can't do he can't do thumbs anywhere for that. It's like <laughs> okay. Uh, right on, Jackie Chan. All right, okay. Sakura. All right, all right, and of course, Sisu. Boom. Yeah. Love it, love it. I love it. Put a knife through my head. Hold on. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, this, again, this was blast. Thanks again for joining us, Rick. Always an honor to have you here. Oh wait, wait! Before we end it here, hey, y'all know about the books. Y'all know about the books. That's right. Check the link in the description box below to go check out Rick's books. That's right. Buy them, read them, love them. That's right. So you know what you need to do. Get the book. Get the book. Get the book. We're gonna have a new one about uh, Superman soon. Oh, cool. We have to update it. Voices <laughs> from Krypton. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I'm just, quoted, I'm just quoted about the original. I was on the set of the original Christopher Reeve Superman for three weeks. So I talk nice. about that. That's what's in the, uh, yeah. All right, cool. We're going to have to update update the video. But thanks again, all you movie-loving badasses for watching. That's right. Keep kung fuing, right? Keep watching great movies. Smart asses. <laughs> that's right. Keep enjoying being an action movie fan. Fans like us. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys.